Welcome to the Bard and Bible, a conversational devotional about scripture, life, and ministry from the perspective of a tabletop missionary still trying to figure out what those words actually mean when you string them together. There's a seat by the fire over there, and it looks like things are just about to get started. Tonight's tale, another after God's own heart. I'll ask again, when did the Palladium take interest in Ecclesian rule? Hmm. When did Lord Perth's agents lose interest in basic investigation techniques? The backhand crashed against his cheek. He began to taste metallic tang pooling around the words. Whew, felt that one, but it's no good. Keepers have no direct communication to the Palladium past their training, you goon. I was just returning home from a vacation in Elgenar to visit an old friend when you blasted the airship I was on. The agent adjusted his gauntlet. Your average keeper, perhaps. But I'm pretty sure your average keeper isn't often found in possession of a soul-forged blade from an Eldrenari mastersmith. Ah, well, well seems they found out about Carver. Carver. That, that won't go well for me. We have time, Bard. Time enough to either make you crack, or keep you here long enough to stop you from doing whatever you've been sent to do. Either way works for me. So settle in. Whether it was exhaustion or his injuries, eventually the darkness took him. The keeper woke with a shock upon noticing an unfamiliar form in the room with him. I gotta say, friend, uh, I've had better days, but uh, I gotta say, you look like hell. Odd enough, I've had worse. My name's Mike. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. What about you, friend? Carmine. Pleasure, all things considered. So, uh, how are you fixed for getting out of here? <laughs> Cute. Quite impossible, but I admire your spirit. I've been trying for the better part of a week now. Maybe longer. They have things locked down tighter than a drum around here. And here I thought the war singers were supposed to be unstoppable. Where do you all keep getting these ideas from? My name is Mike Perna. I run the Barden Bible. I'm a keeper of the Palladium, not a war singer. The man's demeanor changed. Not in an uncomfortable or frightening way. More like a parent who is trying to convey to their child that now is not the time for childish things. Do you remember the words of the Golden Triplet? Within the Keeper's mind, he heard thoughts of how ridiculous it would be to talk about the Golden Triplet in a time and place as this. But his mouth was already forming the words as if he was working on pure muscle memory. In the beginning there was the light. Warmth and sight were its gifts. The muse took in all that the light gave and put it to words and movement that we could see. When the muse finished his work, we were left with the song that we might add our steps to the performance. Carmine smiled. You can't leave the music. Not entirely. You can cuff your ears, 
hobble your limbs, or remove your voice. But your heart will always keep rhythm with the song. So I ask you, war singer, will you step into the song again? Or will you see your story end here? The keeper's heart began to thump, rising in his chest. His smile grew to match the others with a blood-tainted smirk. His eyes glowed white with a bright, burning light. Come then, let us dance a while. Benny Longfellow sweeps the front stoop slowly. His back cracks as he places the broom against the wall for a well-earned rest. But in this moment, his eyes catch a bedraggled form leaning heavily on a crutch. At first, he blames what he sees on the sunset behind the traveler. Then he curses his own hope for these illusions of things he was beginning to believe would be impossible. But eventually, he must give in to the truth of it. Hamish! Hamish, he's back! The boss is home! I can't begin to describe how happy I am to be back here, to be back on this mic, to be back in the Nine Realms, to be... Uh, just just crafting these stories and sharing from the Bible with y'all. I, it, I've missed it. I've deeply and profoundly missed it. Uh, I'm excited because not only is Barton Bible back, but as you might have known, uh, in the, the past week, as at time of release here, uh, Game Store Profits is back too. It's been really honestly uh, an answer to prayer to be able to get back not only the availability uh, because, my goodness, did we have some fun hiccups there, including the fact that my whole family got COVID for a while. That was super exciting. Uh, everybody's fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, but you can be praying as we are getting back. We're trying hard, uh, Daniel, myself, and anybody else I can wrangle into the the Inroads Ministries podcasting sphere. Uh, we're all trying to get back to a regular schedule again, where you'll be alternating between receiving an episode of Game Store Profits and an episode of Bard and Bible. Uh, and then every once in a while, we sprinkle in some uh, magic pixie dust that is inroads plays. Uh, we're trying hard to get back to there, and I really hope that I can. Uh, I, As of right now, we're going to keep going through Genesis. If y'all want me to keep going through this, I, def I definitely want to hear from you. Uh, Genesis, as I started at the very beginning, when the, the patrons decided that that was going to be what they wanted me to go through, I told everybody it was going to take me a long time. There are a lot of chapters in this book, uh, and sometimes people just get weary of hearing these stories over and over again. But if you guys are interested, if you guys still want me to stay in this course, uh, I am definitely excited about continuing to go through it. There are a lot of cool stories. We are literally only just scratching the surface. We have, it won't be until the next episode that we get to the actual Abrahamic covenant, uh, which is exciting to me. But uh, I, you know, I also had the fun of uh, creating a little bit more and going into a little bit more of the depth of the 
Nine Realms cosmology, as we have now seen my equivalent to the Trinity. Obviously not the same, but the light, the muse, and the song. Yes, Carmine is the embodiment of the song. If you didn't, if you were wondering how this dude just randomly showed up and superpowered the keeper, uh, I made the song a member of, of the Trinity, as it were. And I'm very excited about what that leads to and some things that I get to share with you, some of the stuff that exists only in my head so far. Uh, but as, as the Nine Realms continues to grow, I'm excited to see how that ties in. And, and in this particular instance, part of the reason why I thought now was a good time to bring that in is because of the fact that we are in Genesis 14. Genesis 14 is an interesting chapter which I could go in a bunch of different ways with because we're talking about Melchizedek. He shows up here and he is a, a figure that is brought up in a lot of weird interpretations. Some people just kind of throw their hands up and say, none of us know. We don't know how this dude became a priest. We don't know how he's a king. We don't know much about him. We're just going to roll with it. Uh, some people really dive headlong into the fact that he is the type of Christ, that he is kind of the uh, image of the king priest combo that is kind of embodied in Jesus. There are some people who will straight up say that this is a pre-incarnate Jesus. I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, that's why I tied that together because Melchizedek is a fascinating character. And I, as I thought about how deep I wanted to go down that rabbit hole, I realized something. This is Abram's story. This is the story between Abram and God. This is in the previous chapters we have looked at at how God called Abram. We've talked about how God had set up set up Abram, and uh, I didn't want to just jump ship and be like, "Oh, look, subplot." Here's Melchizedek. I wanted to view Melchizedek as part of Abram's story. He is a character. He is a fascinating character. But coming back, I kind of wanted to get just continue along the lines of the, the story vibe that we're talking about, that this is a story, this particular section of Genesis is the story of the relationship between God and the people embodied in this man, Abram and his family. And so I do want to take a look at, at Genesis 14. We will talk about Melchizedek himself. Uh, he is the titular, another man after God's own heart, but I really want this to, to, talk about how Abram could have reacted to the events and the stuff that's going on, both you know, the words that are used, the titles that are used, the things that happen in this chapter, uh, and how he could have reacted and how he did react. Because I think this is, is really interesting because not only does it show Abram's character, does it show Abram's faith, and it shows how he sees God and him and how the how that relationship is working. It also sets us up for the fact that we are going to step into the Abrahamic covenant, the promises that God will give to Abraham. They come after this. So it's almost like we are, are stepping into the story of God is making these promises with Abram because he knows that Abram is a man who will will follow along and is worth giving these promises to that that God called him for a reason that he is a, a man who is 
uh, a man of faith who will follow after God. Even when he screws it up, he's going to follow after God. But enough of me waxing poetic about the, the verse. I kind of just want to get into it. But I say that, and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to save us all a lot of heartache and a lot of of painful noise because the first part of this is a lot of names, some of which I know how to pronounce just because of my time studying the Bible, and some of these I've, I've taught my mouth how to say them. Some of them I have... I'm. I'm just going to tell you up front, I have tried to say them. I have, I have literally sat and said these words out loud to myself, trying to make them sound like actual language, like actual names. And, uh, I'm just going to skip it. Uh, it's better for all of us. And I'm just going, I, I try not to, <laughs> to summarize because I am a person who understands that these names and these places and these people, they all have value in the story. I, you've heard me say that over years of doing this podcast now, but I, y'all, I just, I just can't. I just, I, I don't know if it's the fact that I'm coming off of this time away from the mic or if it's just, if it's just, I'm just having that moment. But I, there are, are letters here that should not go together. And yet here they are. And so we're just going to skip them. You can read along in Genesis 14 at the beginning of it. And I'm going to summarize with this. A bunch of kings decided to go to war with a bunch of other kings. Uh, this is a, a five versus four kind of throwdown with the various kings just deciding that, hey, we like their stuff and their people. We're going to take them. And as is often the case when many kings go to war or when anybody goes to war, uh, one side wins and one side loses. The important part when describing that in regards to the story at hand is that uh, one of the kings that's on the losing side is the king of Sodom. And if you remember, our boy Lot, uh, Abram's nephew, is hanging out with with the king of Sodom is hanging out in that place. And so when those kings lose and the kings that won decide, okay, we won. Now we're going to take your stuff. Among the things that were taken was Lot and all of Lot's stuff. So I want to pick up in verse 13, after all the crazy names, after all of the stuff that has been described and summarized in a bunch of kings went to war with a bunch of other kings and the, the, the side that had Lot and his family and his stuff in it lost. I want to pick up in verse 13 because what we're going to see here is, as I said kind of in the, the intro, Abram stepping into the calling that God had on him. The stuff that, that God said he would make Abram into if Abram followed him we're going to see a lot of that, if not fully fleshed out, like it's going to be a, a picture of this. Like each part is going to be demonstrated here in the things that happen. So in verse 13, it says, Then one who escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living in the Oaks of Mamre and the, the Amorite, 
brother of Eshkol and Aner. See, even now I can't avoid these names. Uh, but I want to stop even there because there's something that is said here that is really easy to read over, but it actually shows you that Abram is in fact stepping into some of what God has called him to. And that's the fact that he's referred to as Abram, the Hebrew. And what I've seen in some of the commentaries that I've read about this is that that calling him Abram the Hebrew is basically the way of saying he is being recognized here. Like, if you want to talk about what's happening to the Hebrew people, if you want to talk about what's happening to this entire group of people, you know, essentially this nation, this ethnic group, you talk to Abram. He is the Hebrew. It pretty much means that, like, if you think back on chapter 12 and the things that, that God had had called, had said, you know, if you follow me, I will do this for you. One of the first things he says is, I will make of you a great nation. Now, is this the full context of that promise? No. But you can see that it it's the kind of thing that, that it, it's a picture of it. It's a, it's a small section of it. It's a part of what this call could be. And, and Abram, I don't think Abram has missed this. Like these, all these nations are like, like there's a reason why this person who escaped from all these battles, who escaped from all this hardship went to Abram. They knew, Hey, trouble's happening. We need to go to Abram. So I just, I just wanted to step into that too. Go back to chapter 12. I will make you a great nation. He is Abram the Hebrew. We're already starting to see that people are recognizing this, this concept of this nation revolves around this guy. Uh, these were the allies. I'm going to continue again in verse 13 and following. These were the allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions, and also brought back his kinsmen Lot with his possessions, and the women and the people. Now, I think it's important <laughs> that they numbered Abram's guys. So what I'm, I'm, I, I want to double back to kind of, I, I, again, this is the downside of summarizing. I want to double back on the fact that we're having full-scale war here. These guys that have gone to war, these guys who won, these are kings with armies. Now, they don't number them here, but I'm pretty sure that even if you're talking about the fact that these aren't maybe necessarily kings and kingdoms in the way that we might think of it, these are not armies necessarily is the way we think of them, when multiple kingdoms, even if, even if these guys are like villages, even if, if multiple villages, if multiple kingdoms come together and, and say, we're going to gather up all of our guys, I'm pretty sure it's more than 300. I'm pretty sure it is more than just what Abram can string together 
you know, rallying a posse, as it were, to go get Lot. And yet, whereas multiple kingdoms failed to stop these guys, whereas multiple armies failed to stop these guys, Abram and his boys went out, went commando guerrilla style, and just cleaned house and said, no, no, we, we're taking our stuff back. We're taking our people back. And they won. They did it. Now, one, that's just cool in and of itself. I love the idea of Abram and his boys just going full on in, in what I'm guessing is like the biblical equivalent of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger romp. Cause my goodness, these guys, like the only time I've ever seen a force this small take on an army that big and win is Gideon, which is another Bible story that we're going to get to at some point. I'm sure. I mean, I've done it before, but like th this is hardcore stuff here, but I also want to bring it back because again, this is a way that if you look at it from a purely human standpoint, this is also a way that somebody could look at this and go, this is Abram stepping into his call because one of the other things that God promised him was that God would make his name great. If you step in, not for power, not for glory, but just to save your people, and with 300 and what, 318 of your boys, decimate armies to the point where you get your stuff back and bring it home. You think that's not going to make your name great. You think they're not going to be talking about that for generations. I mean, obviously we have it here in Genesis, so we're clearly reading it still, but I'm pretty sure that every King of every nation there says, okay, one thing we know, do not mess with Abram and his boys, because when they are, are going to war, they will not be stopped. In a very human perspective, this is another part of God's promise to Abram, follow me, and this is what's going to happen. This, in a very limited perspective, this is definitely stepping into that. This is part two of that. And then we're not done. Because now we get to Melchizedek. Verse 17. Let me read for a little bit here. And I'm already going to, I'm already going to apologize because this is what, if there's one name that is the biggest offender in my, I can't pronounce this and I'm sorry for offending your ears. It's this one. Here we go. After his return from the defeat of Chedor Lamor, Lamur, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Verse 17, you can find, you can read along at home. And the Kings who were with him, the King of Sodom went out to meet him at the Valley of Shava. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Uh, in case, it, I mean, it's been a while for us, but in case you haven't looked back at Genesis 12, Blessings to those who bless you is kind of step three in the calling of this man, Abram. Should you follow after, should he follow after what God was doing? 
Now, we have seen, I will make you a great nation. He is Abram the Hebrew. He is already stepping into, he is already seeing the, the beginnings of that idea that Abram is the Hebrews. I will make you a great nation. Abram and his crew won this really crazy battle when whole armies of multiple kings were defeated. Abram and his 318 boys just go in there and clean house. I will make your name great. And then here comes Melchizedek, a recognized, not only king, but also priest of God. And Melchizedek says, you are blessed by God. And you'd think that when you have this picture, you have a man who's like, yes, I have followed after God. Look how he has blessed me. I, I he has answered my, he has answered everything that he has told me he would give me. He has, he is already giving me so much. He has already made me great. He has made me powerful. He has made me respected. Then there's Abram's response. To this guy who is a priest, we don't know much of how he became a priest. We don't know much of what it is. It just says he is a priest of God most high. Abram straight up is like, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He just gives him a tithe. Just he just, he just gives him a tithe. He, he is recognizing that Abram is not the only man that God works through. That Abram is not the only one. Just because he has received this call from God, just because he is seeing the first fruits of these things that God said that he would, he would see and do if he followed after God. He is not there to say, look how great I am, look how awesome I am, because God has done this great stuff for me. He's already like, look, you are a priest who is giving me blessings. I will, I will give this to you as an offering before God. Because you are also, as a priest of the Most High, somebody whom God is working through. Somebody who God is moving through in this world. And you got to realize that we're talking about Abram here. There's not a lot of people who would be claiming to be following after Yahweh. He is not, there is not a lot of people walking around right now saying, oh yeah, I'm totally for God. There are lots of people who walk around for other gods, but this is not like a common everyday thing that you're seeing. And yet, here comes Abram who one could think, one could make a case that Abram has every right to say, I am the guy, this is proof that I am the guy, this is proof that God is, has put me in a special place of privilege. You know, you guys, you guys have to listen to me. But he doesn't. So I'm giving you this because I know you serve God too and I want to give this to God. And that's not the end of it either. Because after this, the king of Sodom is like, okay, okay, you did awesome. You did wonderful. You can take some stuff. 
you can take this stuff that, that's part of the riches, the plunder of, of this battle and everything like that. And Abram says, no, I don't need this. I'm going to take basically the cost of what my boys ate. And I'm going to let them take what they've earned for fighting. And, and I'm going to read the actual the verses here. Uh, Abram's actual response to the king of Sodom. I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you say I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre take their share. He's like, the other guys can take theirs. I will not stop them. They earned it. But I'm not taking anything. Because I don't want anyone other than God to say that they've given me what I have. Look, Abram's got plenty of time in his story to be a goof. To not be the guy that he's supposed to be. But in this moment, when we follow this story with what we're going to follow up with, you know, after this in chapter 15, when we get the covenant with Abram and God, when he, when we get to see him as Abraham, um, yeah, our, our boy is living in a place of dedication to God and humility enough to say that it is God that is great. It is God that is working. It is not me. God gives me victory. God makes me the head of this nation. God, God will bless me. God will make my name great. It is not me. And it is not you. In this moment, Abraham has every right by position as the head of this nation, by by trial, by combat, as it were. He literally went in and conquered. And by being blessed by this priest, this priest king, he has every right to be like, I am the guy. I am God's man here. But he just says, no, I am God's man. But it is him that gives me all of this. And this is the setting that we have placed ourselves in in this story to lead into God saying, now, now that you have stepped into the calling that I that got, you, that got you here, I'm going to expound on those promises. I'm going to, to lay forth this, this promise to you, to your family, to your people that is just mine to give to you. Because Abram answered God's call. I love seeing how these stories develop. I love seeing how the threads of this story weave themselves together. I love seeing how it is the king of Sodom who is doing this. Like, oh, I'm totally going to get, let you take this stuff. Even though I'm going to be the one to say, this is my, this is my doing that you like, like that leads to the whole idea of Sodom and the sin of Sodom being, being inhospitable. Like everything, 
everything that that comes together can be seen here and you have abram doing it so right because he he heard god's call he followed god's call he was blessed by god but he did not let that change his mindset that it is god that does this not him Again, I will reiterate, I am so happy to be back with y'all. I hope you appreciated this episode. Uh, I look forward to keep going. Like I said, if you want to leave a comment or something, uh, especially if you are one of my patrons over at Patreon, please, please let me know if you want me to keep going in Genesis, if you want me to take a break and come back later, uh, or if you just want me to, to scrap it and just figure out what else to do because Genesis is a very large book and it's going to take me a very long time even if I never go back to having another sabbatical break like I just had freely chosen or otherwise but I'm happy to be back I'm happy to be back in the night and realms telling stories there I'm happy telling stories through the scriptures of what God has done and will do and I am super happy to tell you that I look forward to seeing you again here at the Barden Bible